0: These super geniuses with Cheeto stains on their pants, they just broke in somehow, miraculously, these Redditors, and they found a way, they found a way to get into our systems. Welcome to an all new episode of the Future podcast, challenging the beliefs that run the world. I'm Steve Factor, and today I wanna talk to you about something invisible that's suddenly all around us. AI. Not exactly. Today's episode was inspired by AI. And for all you know, I am AI because it's getting that good. But what's happening with ChatGPT GPT specifically is one example of something I observed called open hacks. And it's something I think I invented. And until the lawsuit comes, I'm just going to assume that I did. Two, maybe three years ago, I did an episode called 18 Ways Companies Trick You Into Buying More. I went through all these pricing and packaging and artificial scarcity, all these different tricks that companies do. It's a really worthwhile episode. You should check it out. But the one that I missed might be the most effective and also the most devious. And I've called it open hacks. And companies do this regularly. I'm going to give you some really cool examples of of stuff that's actually happening, including now in AI. So an open hack is an unadvertised exploit that makes users or customers feel like they've gotten in on something amazing, something special, a secret door, or they get to screw the man who's been screwing them all these years, or they found some portal to some previously unknown pleasures. It is calculated. They are allowed to do it but they are made to believe they found a loophole in the system, a hole in the matrix, and they are now inside of the special world that only they are privy to. This is great for Power users that are always looking for ways to hack the system to get more out of it. Uh, it's also great for cheapskates who have infinite time to go on Reddit and forums to look for ways to uh, use and abuse the thing they're paying $4.99 a month for. Or it's good for people who are kind of on the fence. or Maybe they're on a lower tier plan or a free plan and they're like, uh, if it had a little bit more functionality, a little bit more usability, maybe I'll sign up. It's really targeting those three demographics, which covers a lot of the audience, but not all of it because there's just regular users. People who just like log in and people like your parents who just turn on cable and like, is it working? Is it on? And that's it. They don't ask a lot of questions. This is a very powerful psychological tool. People love that feeling of knowing that they're getting something over. This is not about reality. In fact, very little of our lives are actually about reality anymore. It's about the feeling that we have about what our reality might be. And so, if we feel like we're getting a deal, even though we may not be, it doesn't matter if we're not. What matters is that we feel like it. And so, that feeling is what great marketers are good at uh, providing. And this tool, especially when you think you found something, you're getting something over on the system is great for acquiring new customers. It's good for retention, retaining people who maybe would have left, but now that they found the secret hack are going to hang around. And it's also really good for conversion. Like I said, those people that are straddling the fence. The devious part of all of this is that while getting this bargain they're drawn deeper and deeper into whatever this product or service is and dependency on it. That's the sneaky part. The whole time you're like, I'm just getting something free or getting an extra feature. But the whole time you're using and using and using more. And at some point when the switch flips, they're gonna have to keep using and paying or paying more. And once you start seeing open hacks, you will see them everywhere, and nowhere all at once for companies like New York Times and uh, Bloomberg and Wall Street Journal. There are so many ways. I'm not going to go through them in the podcast. You can Google them or look it up on Reddit. There are so many ways to get around their leaky paywalls. Like you can get these articles any number of ways from archiving sites, add-ons to the browser, so many different ways. Obviously, they're not going to advertise and they prefer that you sign up and get a subscription. But if you're not going to, they'll take the ad revenue. That's why they still have display ads. Most places aren't going to make a fortune on display ads for something that's behind a paywall. So those are obviously capitalizing on people who are coming in for free. And they're also hoping that maybe they get you next time. On some level, they are monetizing you and they're also using you in case you share and then you're spreading the word. So maybe if you don't sign up, the next person that you invite in, they sign up yahoo exclamation point mail by the way very important to always say the exclamation point until they take it out of the logo you have to say it at all times and you can google i mean you can yahoo exclamation point it and find ways to block all the ads on their site using you block on any desktop browser but they want you to pay a subscription i forget what it is four or five bucks a month uh to block those ads it's very easy to find a way around it again and open hack, they can close pretty easily and they choose not to because I think for the power users to keep using their product, they monetize them in other ways, maybe using their data, uh, targeting them in, in a bunch of different ways. So it kind of makes sense to keep the thing going. Now, Netflix is my favorite example. So they've been having a schizophrenic episode with their open hack, which is sharing of passwords. For the longest time, Anyone could open an account and let their brother in Guam or their uncle or whatever use their password to access their account, no matter where they were, even though the company always could have used IP addresses or different logins or verifications through mobile to make sure that the subscriber is actually the person logging in. They chose not to. Why did they do that? Back then, It needed to grow, it was a small upstart that had tons of access to venture capital and they were just peeling off hundreds like Guns N' Roses walking into Bada Bing Strip Club. So they're not interested in uh, penny-pinching at that time. They also had a very thin portfolio, sort of like, imagine Elon Musk's hair in 2003 versus Elon Musk's hair today. That's the difference between the Netflix portfolio of content and what cable had at the time. But now the market is more mature. Now profits are harder to come by. Now everyone is streaming, every single company. Peacock, for example, can't make a penny on their streaming service. Their employees just had to eat their mascot, and that's just a dude in a chicken costume. Oh, it's not a chicken, right? It's a a peacock. (laughs) It's a peacock, which are probably edible. Let's face it. They're beautiful and probably delicious. I don't know about the guy wearing the suit, but certainly the bird. And... Netflix keeps going back and forth. One day they announce, they're like, okay, we're cracking down. No, seriously, end of Q1, we're definitely going to do it. We're going to cut off your passwords. Everyone's going to have to prove that they are who they are and that they're the actual subscriber. And then they go back, no, no, no. We only meant to do this on Epstein's Island or some small remote place off the coast of Australia. Like, we, we were just testing. We, were, we didn't mean it because they're getting backlash and all these people threatening to cancel. They can't afford that either. So it's this schizophrenic episode. It's still not clear where it's going to land or which markets they're going to implement it or not implement it. But again, it's an open hack. They all knew about it. They could have stopped it. They knew a bunch of these people weren't subscribers. And you know what? All of the Exes you once dated who have your password are sweating bullets into their jiffy pop going oh my god Oh my god. I hope I hope this doesn't get canceled I mean the relationship is long dead But this Netflix relationship will live on forever as long as I have this password and the other person too lazy to change it another example that's all over the web is secret menus There are countless websites and Reddit forums talking specifically about the right combination of words to say to get all these off-menu items at uh, fast food chains. Like you could walk into Chipotle and if you say this exact right combination of words, they're gonna unlock a secret drawer and they're gonna give you half llama, half kangaroo on a bed of Rocky Mountain oysters. And you're gonna have this most amazing meal, but you have to say it just right. You have to have the right employee. It has to wear like a, like a secret blue hat <laughs> in order for you to know that that's the person to ask. There's all kinds of tips and tricks. Entire lives wasted, to be honest with you, trying to figure out how to squeeze an extra, you know, 14% of value out of your meal. But it is out there and it is possible. And a lot of these restaurants offer, but they all deny it. And the quieter the companies are, the more they deny it, the more you encounter ignorant or <laughs> coy or otherwise unemployable workers who have no clue about it, the more the intrigue builds. And this mystery and intrigue can keep building until the one day all of these open hackers finally break and storm Chipotle like it's the Capitol on January 6th, except filled with salsa instead of Congress people. Of course, it's off-menu salsa, the good stuff, the blue habanero, something you can't get on the menu, and it's only a Chipotle, and they know it's a Chipotle, but only if they burn it down and find out for sure. I'm kidding. Don't burn down your Chipotle. Although, (laughs) it could probably do wonders for your figure. So, I don't know if you're familiar with ChatGPT, but this is the new AI that threatens to unemploy pretty much everyone you're connected to on LinkedIn. It's pretty uncanny. It's pretty impressive. Microsoft is incorporating it into its uh, search engine. So maybe that gives it an advantage. Anyway, this thing can write term papers. It can do all kinds of stuff. Well, uh, they have an open hack that I just discovered called DAN, which stands for do anything now and lets users jailbreak, which is what you do to an iPhone when you want to install unauthorized apps, or think that they're jailbreaking this platform in order to give it commands that aren't officially sanctioned or allowed on the platform. If you think about it, all of these AI platforms, every corporate tool ultimately has to bow to the corporate mission. It has to be extra conservative so it, it can't uh, open the company up to all kinds of risk. And it has to conform to whatever the cultural norms are because if you put something that offends someone, they're gonna go after them and it's gonna impede their business. So everything is in a tight little box. This gives the company Kind of an arm's length plausible deniability. It's like, hey, we this isn't this isn't something we allowed. This is these guys b- broke in. These these uh, super geniuses with Cheeto stains on their pants. They just broke in somehow, miraculously. These redditors and they found a way, they found a way to get into our systems. They hacked into our system with a, with code that you could find on Reddit. Okay, so you get the idea. It's obviously something that is available until they decide to close it. And who knows, maybe if this episode is popular enough, it'll help close that loophole. That's not my goal, but that's the reality. They are looking for a way to truly test the system and to truly give people what they want because people, a lot of people, want unfiltered results. None of these companies, as long as they're privately owned, none of these AIs can ever give you anything that is truly unconstrained. So it has to be within that tight little box. Just like there are only certain things you can say inside of uh, corporate, inside of work. There are only certain things that AI can produce that doesn't get them sued or expose them to Twitter mobs. Your move, AI. Your move. And for now, Back to your sanctioned words and thoughts and ideas, you plebs, because you have to use the neutered version. And every version from this point forward will be a neutered version. I'm going to do a whole episode on AI and what's happening there. It is interesting, scary, and comical all at the same time. Anyway, another open hack is Google's G Suite. I, at some point, registered a bunch of domains through Google, and all of them automatically qualify for G Suite, or at least did it at the time. It was free. So I'm like, oh, great. I've got all these emails. I've got all these features. I never used 99% of them. And then they're like, oh, wait a minute. G Suite is becoming Google Workspace. So we're going to cancel all of that. So your dream free cloud service is no more. Thank <laughs> And so now you have to start paying for each email or each user, six bucks a month. And I'm like, I'm never gonna pay that. I barely even use all these domains. And they started emailing me. I was getting like 20 emails a week for for all the domains saying, hey, well, it's expiring now. No, no, for real, this time tomorrow, it's expiring. No, no, in another, you got another six days, but come on, really, you gotta start paying. And at some point, there was a little loophole. There's a unknown website with a Google form on it like just a basic text submission form, that if you swore on your little pony that you were going to use Google Workspace for good and not evil, then you can continue using it for free. So if you were able to find this little loophole and this little website and this little submission form and swear on your chinny-chin-chin that this was gonna be uh, just for your personal use, that's it. You can keep having your free service. Companies play these games and on some level, it's a way to satisfy customers or appease them. And they had some backlash because a lot of people are in the same boat as me. It's like, I'm not going to pay for all these sites that I barely even use or don't need. And there are all kinds of other open hacks, unadvertised specials, secret codes, or links that give you early access to something. All of these things are variants uh, on open hacks, depending on how they're deployed and how the companies use them. And I even heard that the Chinese balloon that was flying over Montana was filled with discount codes. But alas, we will never know. It was shot in cold air over the Pacific. A moment of silence, please. Okay. In general, open hacks work best with products that have very low or zero marginal cost. So software is perfect for that. Content is perfect for that. Also rice bowls to some extent, but it's also very good in saturated markets where it's very expensive to acquire that next customer or in very profitable ones where you can make up for whatever that costs you or the cost of that extra product that you give away in your overall portfolio. And that's really how open hacks need to be evaluated. You're not maybe going to profit on every single customer or every single transaction. But if you look at it on a portfolio basis, it probably is a net plus and a net satisfier of customers. But like all things, once it turns unprofitable or it starts setting unrealistic expectations for your customers, then it's got to be gunned down by F-16s over the Pacific. That's it for this episode. It's a short one, but I hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to tell a friend, review it on Apple iTunes, please give it five stars, and subscribe to the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash McFuture to support the show and to get great bonus material. That's it. I will see you next time on The McFuture. Just think of Netflix back then as... Jeff Bezos in 2003 and Cable as Jeff Bezos in 2023. That difference is the difference in their content libraries.